Hey guys, it is Thursday, June 7th. Yeah, 7th, 2018, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Azalek, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car whatever. Uh, guys, it's been a few weeks. I have been under the weather. Things have been really crazy busy here in West Michigan with all the different big events that go on in the late spring, early summer. And uh, yeah, I'm here to recap a couple of weeks worth of news and other interesting things that have happened in the automotive sector. Uh, I think the biggest news to kind of talk about first is going to be the Fiat Chrysler five-year plan that was announced late last week. Uh, Fiat Chrysler does a five-year plan that they announce for each of their brands, uh, obviously every five years. It's kind of an interesting way that they approach development of their vehicles where they want to make sure that people know uh, what they're working on. Is it a good idea? Yes, I think it's good to lay out a track record of things to do, uh, but it also really raises expectations and they're not always met. But anyway, we'll talk about uh, what they've laid out for Jeep, Ram, Chrysler, Dodge, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, all the different ones uh, over the next few minutes. Uh, in what would normally be the cultural segment, I want to talk about uh, a little bit of a news item, and I guess it's kind of cultural too. It's the brand new GM 2.7 liter turbocharged inline four. Uh, GM has announced a very square power figure for this new engine that was developed specifically for their pickup trucks that are coming out later this fall. Uh, I haven't been this excited about a power plant whew, in quite a while. Uh, for one that's A, not electrically assisted, and B, a small, well, a relatively small engine, uh, this is a pretty cool powertrain. GM really knocked it out of the park with this. It sounds like it's going to be a very cool thing, so we will have to talk a little bit about that. And then last up, a car that's been on my mind. Uh, we're just going to go with the GM car this time. What? You've seen a lot of these cars. They're driven by bros who think they're real cool. They want a 300 horsepower four-door sedan that can do 150 miles an hour. Uh, what do you grab? Well, apparently it's the Pontiac Grand Prix GXP. Uh, there are two or three of them in my neighborhood. They've just sprung up out of nowhere. I don't know if it's one guy who's just parking all these in the same general area. Holy crap. Why are these things here? Anyway, we'll talk a little about that car and the weird things that uh, it represents. Uh, yeah, a car that's my mind. But anyway, guys, some of that FCA news after the bump. So for the five-year FCA plans, we'll kick off with the two brands that have the least amount to announce, and that is Chrysler and Dodge. Uh, what were once the bread-and-butter brands for the Chrysler network of vehicles, I don't know what you want to call them, uh, they're going to basically continue on as they are. Uh, Fiat mentioned that they do want to start pushing more EVs and hybrids and electrification and all of their brands. Uh, and it sounds like most of that focus outside of uh, what Fiat themselves are doing with the 500, which we'll talk about, uh, is going to be focused on Chrysler. Uh, Chrysler has had a lot of success with the new Pacifica uh, hybrid or uh, plug-in Pacifica hybrid. Uh, that vehicle, that minivan, gets 85 miles per gallon electric, which is pretty damn good uh, for a vehicle that size that can carry a family of, well, a billion people, apparently. 
Um, there's a lot of talk that uh, Chrysler might start receiving more crossovers and smaller crossovers to kind of jump on that bandwagon, uh, especially since that's the main way that Jeep is making all of the money for Fiat right now. Uh, you would imagine that they would want to do the same across as many brands as possible. Uh, Chrysler has a lot of room to make good on new things, as does Dodge. Uh, that's really about it. Um, a lot of people were very surprised that FCA said that they want to continue using the LX platform uh, underneath the uh, Dodge Charger, Chrysler 300, uh, Dodge Challenger, uh, and the Challenger Hellcat, and so many other vehicles. And uh, for those that didn't know, the LX platform dates back to a late 90s Mercedes-Benz uh, platform. It was a platform that was uh, basically given to them during the years of the uh, what do they call it, the Daimler-Chrysler era. Uh, it's very strange that these cars are going to continue on, but basically the gist of what they want to do is not rock the boat too much. Um, I would have loved to have seen an Alfa Romeo or a Maserati-based uh, you know, Charger or something like that, but uh, it's just not in the cards over the next five years. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, if Fiat is going to be doing anything, they're going to drop one of those two brands, and I think more than likely it's going to be Chrysler. The sales just aren't there. Uh, they don't have small cars to capture any of those sales. But if I have one theory of something that will happen to them that was not laid out in this meeting, it is that Chrysler will very likely be buying Chinese-made vehicles. Uh, I'm, from what brand, I'm not 100% sure, but I imagine they're going to be looking for a partner for vehicles to rebrand, to sell at their dealerships, uh, to bring in some money because the small car market needs some penetration and those brands will potentially have something that they can sell to Fiat Chrysler. Getting into the Fiat side of things, at least here in North America, uh, Fiat is planning on relaunching a brand new, completely new version of the Fiat 500e uh, here in the U.S. very soon, as well as a slightly larger version of the Fiat 500e, uh, more of a wagon style, but not quite the Fiat 500L that will also be available. Whether or not these will be available across the entire United States, uh, that remains to be seen. As of right now, the Fiat 500e is only sold in compliance markets like Oregon and California, but a lot of those lease vehicles have started to proliferate across the country. Uh, Fiat at one point was losing as much as $14,000 per vehicle that they sold of the Fiat 500e. Uh, so it's good that they're continuing to push these vehicles. They are very well-liked EVs. Uh, they're very cheap to buy used. Um, and from what I understand, they're very reliable. Um, but it's a platform that is very old. Uh, it's very out of date. They need a lot of updates for this car. Um, I I personally really like the Fiat 500. If it wasn't so small and I wasn't so big, I think it would be perfect, but uh, I'm really looking forward to see what they can do. Um, this was a car that really sparked a lot of or, uh, innovation in the subcompact class. They were way ahead of the game with this kind of thing on styling and uh, performance and things like that. Uh, Fiat also announced that they're looking to uh, update the Fiat 500X, the sibling to the Jeep Renegade. Um, more or less, I imagine they're going to be doing the same kind of things that they've done for the Renegade. So uh, slight tweaks on the exterior and interior, uh, a little bit more technology under the dashboard to give you Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, I imagine that we will be seeing some kind of electrification to that power plant in some kind of performance or eco-minded way. Um, 
it's hard to say for sure what their plan is with that. And then they said that there might be one other Fiat vehicle announcement. Uh, but the very disappointing thing, at least for me uh, here in the U.S., is that we are not going to be seeing a small Fiat competitor to the Honda Civic, to the Ford Focus, to anything like that here in the U.S. Uh, they are going to be sticking almost entirely with the Fiat 500 and the Fiat 124 Spider. Uh, is that a good strategy? I don't know. It's a brand that I think needs a lot of attention. I think it has the capacity to bring in one more car. Uh, maybe that wagon version of the 500 is it. I don't know. But uh, yet another announcement where I wish they were doing a little bit more with the brand. So for the first of the more exciting brands, we'll talk a little bit about Maserati. Uh, Maserati uh, has kind of been a weird ebb and flow success story here in the U.S. over the past 15, almost 20 years. It feels very weird to say that. Uh, Maserati kind of burst back in the scene in the early aughts with uh, some pretty significant investments from Fiat as they wanted to expand their portfolio inside the U.S. market. Uh, back in the day, they were powered exclusively by Ferrari engines and transmissions uh, and had a lot of engineering and design work that was done by Ferrari uh, that was both good and bad. Uh, the early version of the Quattroporte was noted for having a very sluggish and not very well-designed uh, single-clutch automated gearbox. Um, but nevertheless, we're going to be seeing an all-new Quattroporte for the first time in what feels like a decade, uh, which is very exciting to me. They're also going to be doing a new version of the Alfieri, which is that slightly larger Corvette-like sports coupe. Uh, they're going to be getting a new coupe and convertible, uh, which is very exciting because I do like that car quite a bit, even if it is very overpriced and doesn't exactly perform in the most uh, exciting of ways. Uh, they're also announced a new D-segment SUV, which is what I imagine is like a larger mid-size SUV. So I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of a Chevy Traverse, maybe a little bit smaller. But anyway, that kind of goes alongside their expectation for a brand new Levante SUV. The Levante debuted just two years years ago and that SUV was a well what a, it's a mess let's just put it that way uh, the platform was not well executed the design was not done well the pricing is not done well uh, nevertheless they have not sold uh, Maserati is racing to get this thing to get fixed as fast as possible so it's not exactly a huge surprise that they're promising an all-new version uh, within the next few years uh, they also announced that they're going to do a mid-cycle update for the Ghibli which is surprising because the Ghibli's been on sale for what, four years now? Three or four years now? Uh, talk about waiting as long as you can to update that car. Um, I would imagine that they're kind of, you know, a little bit disappointed considering how popular the uh, Alfa Romeo, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Alfa Romeo uh, Gulia. Yeah, why can I not think of the name? The Gulia, how well that has been performing and has been meeting expectations. If I'm remembering correctly, those two vehicles share a platform. Uh, but the big news is that Maserati is going to be doing eight plug-in hybrids and four fully electric vehicles, all in partnership with Ferrari, it sounds like. Uh, so these will be both exciting to drive and probably quite fast. Uh, there will also be a new push for level three autonomy on some of their vehicles, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but none of this is quite as exciting as what Alfa Romeo has in store. Now, Alfa Romeo has really been on a roll since they've been reintroduced here in the United States. The Guglia got Car of the Year last year. Uh, 
that Stelvio has been a very well-accepted uh, sporty crossover entry into the market. Uh, they want to keep this progress rolling. Uh, Alfa Romeo is a brand that is going to be making presumably a lot of money for uh, Fiat Chrysler. And uh, it sounds like Alfa Romeo is going to continue having Ferrari and Maserati developed powertrains uh, in their vehicles as well. And what exactly that means going forward kind of depends on what models we're talking about. Uh, there's going to be an electric version of almost all of their cars offered on the uh, dealership, including six plug-in hybrid vehicles. Uh, so the thought of an Alfa Romeo 4C with a plug-in system is kind of cool, but whether or not the 4C makes it that long, eh, you don't really know. Um, of course, there's going to be a mid-cycle update for the Guglia and the Stelvio. Um, I imagine much of what's going to be improving on these vehicles will be reliability, uh, but it remains to be seen if they're ever going to fix the horrible resale values that these cars tend to have. Uh, there's going to be a long wheelbase version of the Guglia and Stelvio as well. Uh, presumably that is for the Chinese market where they love having long wheelbase chaufferable versions of these vehicles made available. They did announce a new version of the uh, GTV uh, it's going to be some kind of hybrid sports car, probably to take the fight to Tesla and the new Tesla Roadster. Um, what exactly that means, we're not entirely sure, but it, it looks like it's going to be a very sporty, beautiful coupe, probably based on the Guglia. I'm very excited. Uh, a GTV is always a cool thing, and I believe they even indicated to some extent that there's going to be a cheaper, regularly-engined, powered GTV, or maybe just a GT, uh, so, hey, uh, get your wallets out, a high $30,000, low $40,000 sporty coupe from Alfa Romeo. Uh, that could be a very cool used car in the very near future. Alfa Romeo also announced a new 8C hybrid sports car. Um, this is the return of the 8C nameplate from the mid-aughts, where they had a car that was not platformed very well, not uh, developed well suspension-wise, but had a beautiful exterior and a wonderful Ferrari-developed V8. Um, so I'm excited to see what that happens. But then it's all crossovers for Alfa Romeo. Uh, they want a new C-segment crossover, so think something along the size of like a GMC Terrain, Toyota RAV4. Um, cool? Yeah, I don't know. But then they're also going to go for a full, 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 full-size SUV. So something to compete against something like a Tahoe or a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Uh, more or less, it's probably going to be based on the Jeep Grand Cherokee, but very luxurious, somewhat sporty. Cool? I don't know. Alfa Romeo's a good brand. I like what they do. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. So perhaps a little bit less exciting, but there's definitely news to talk about, and that is what's going on at Ram. Uh, Ram is the second biggest cash cow for FCA on the whole, and uh, they don't want to really ruin a good thing that they have going. Obviously, this year they've launched the new Ram 1500, uh, which is hitting dealerships right now. Uh, there were some production issues uh, with some of the vehicles, so all of the ones currently coming out are the V8 Hemi-powered uh, pickup trucks and two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. Uh, later on, the 3.7-liter versions with the mild hybrid setup will be joining it, and then eventually the mild hybrid Hemi-powered ones uh, not too long after that. The all-new heavy-duty models should be coming along sometime next year. Uh, those are going to be the larger uh, more powerful vehicles that are designed to tow a bazillion pounds of equipment and people. And uh, Rams are always known for having their Cummins diesel engines, so it'll be interesting to see how that fight gets taken to both GM and Ford, where a lot of progress has been made with the Duramax and Power Stroke diesels. Uh, Cummins, you know, they're kind of the kings of the diesel 
power output, but uh, whether or not the straight six design will continue on uh, remains to be seen. Uh, Ram also announced that they're going to be doing a new midsize pickup truck. It's going to be a global midsize pickup truck, which means they're going to be selling this all over the world. Uh, and that includes Australia, Asia, uh, Europe, and America, and presumably South America. Uh, so one begins to wonder if this is going to be something that is going to be smaller than the GM uh, Colorado and Canyon, the all-new Ford Ranger. Uh, Ram has got some tricks up their sleeve, and I'm very interested to see what happens. I just hope they don't call it a Dakota, because the Dakota was a mistake in terms of the last generation that we had. Uh, who knows? I, it, it could be anything. I like the name Ram 750. I don't know. That's kind of cool, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, Ram is also going to be doing a new Raptor fighter called the TRX. Uh, the TRX is going to have some kind of long travel desert suspension, crazy knobby tires, probably some trick four-wheel drive system with locking differentials front and rear. Uh, whether or not it's going to be a Hemi-powered thing or a Hellcat-powered thing or whatever, uh, I don't know. It might be a safe bet to assume that it's going to be some kind of hybridized Hemi V8 uh, uh, but a Hellcat-powered one is more than likely what they're going to do because Fiat Chrysler's fucking crazy, and this is the best thing they got. And the last up is that they announced that they're going to be doing level 2 autonomy in some of their pickup trucks. Uh, that means basically something like Tesla's autopilot uh, for full-size trucks. Uh, how they're going to get that to work with trailering, or if it work with, tra work with trailering at all, remains to be seen. But that's kind of exciting, especially for long-haul drivers who tow things frequently. Last up, as the icing on the cake, uh, we've got Jeep. Jeep is the bread and butter brand for FCA. Uh, this is where they're making all of their money. This is where they bet all of their chips. Uh, Sergio was smart, I guess, in saying that they're not going to develop small cars and mid-sized cars anymore and instead focus entirely on crossovers and SUVs. Uh, it's going to be seen in the Jeep brand over the next few years. Uh, Jeep announced that they're going to be doing a new car subscription service similar to uh, Care by Volvo, uh, where you pay a flat rate to get your insurance and your car payment and maintenance taken care of by Jeep. Uh, you can also spend certain amounts of money to get these tokens that you can redeem to be able to borrow other FCA vehicles or trade up to other FCA vehicles for it sounds like a very nominal fee or maybe not even a fee at all. Um, that's kind of exciting, I guess, but kind of remains to be seen how this is going to work because as of right now, it's not working very well for Volvo. Jeep did announce that they're also going to be adding a new trim level to all of their different models called the Desert Hawk. Uh, the Desert Hawk is going to be a little bit more than just a design situation, much like the Trail Hawk. It sounds like it's going to be a more sand-related thing with special tuning for the suspension and the four-wheel drive system to get you through sand. I don't know. It's going to cost five dollars to $10,000 more uh, than some other comparable model trims right now, and that's freaking crazy. Uh, they know where they can get their cash, and that is going to be it. Uh, as far as other specifics go, uh, Jeep is going to be jumping in the hybrid and electric game uh, with many things. They're going to have 10 plug-in hybrids and 4 fully electric vehicles by 2022. Uh, that is very cool that they're doing that, uh, especially with a brand with such great popularity and notoriety. Um, if we're going to be able to start getting people to get better fuel economy by making smarter choices for EVs and plug-ins and other things like that, uh, that's a very smart move. Uh, Jeep is saying that all of their models by 2022 are going to have some kind of electric variant. 
made available. Uh, Jeep will be also doing some level three autonomy on some of their vehicles, which basically means that uh, you're gonna get some uh, something that's a little bit beyond where uh, the t current Tesla autopilot system is. Uh, so I believe Audi has some kind of uh, traffic jam thing where it's able to drive you basically by itself, um, lane to lane, stop and go, things like that, change lanes. So we'll see if they get more specific on that. Um, there's a lot of questions about autonomy stuff right now and whether or not that's going to be feasible or if we need some standardization going forward. So yeah, big shrug on that. As far as more specific things go, uh, let's see, what have we got? They just announced... Uh, changes for the Renegade. Uh, the new Renegade is going to be getting a new couple new engines in Europe. It sounds like we're going to be getting a new mild hybrid setup here in the U.S. Uh, new fascias front and rear. Um, updates all across the board. Uh, sounds like the Compass is going to be getting those very same updates in the very near future as well. So not a big jump there. Uh, there's going to be an all-new Grand Wagoneer added to the mix, which I believe was just recently announced in China, or maybe that was the new Commander, which we might not see here. But the uh, Grand Wagoneer is going to be an even more luxurious and crazy and bigger uh, Grand Cherokee. Uh, it's going to probably take the fight to vehicles like the Chevrolet Tahoe just a little bit better, maybe be more of a suburban-type competitor. So we'll see how that works out. There's going to be an all-new three-row mid-size SUV, so something to slot in between the size of the Cherokee and the Grand Cherokee, I'm assuming. Uh, what exactly that is, I don't know. Uh, they're really trying to spread themselves kind of thin here, but, you know, if you're selling on margin, uh, you're going to be making big margins on each of these vehicles, and, you know, as we've seen, Jeep can sell these things like crazy. Uh, we're going to be getting an all-new Grand Cherokee, an all-new Cherokee, and an all-new Renegade uh, by 2022, so that's very exciting for some of those things. Uh, you know, the Cherokee is a very well-loved vehicle here in the U.S. Uh, they've been selling like crazy. I'll be interested to see if they update the styling, maybe do something that's a little bit more conservative as they have toned the styling down uh, with their mid-cycle refresh that just came through. Um, I'll admit that I actually like the old one, and I do like the new one, so I hope they don't change it too much. An all-new Renegade is interesting because the Renegade has been selling very well, especially in Europe. Uh, this is an SUV that I think surpassed a lot of people's expectations. Uh, the one that we have, I like a lot. I don't like the transmission that's in it. I don't like the fuel economy it gets, but there is room for improvement as always. Uh, what is, I think, maybe most exciting that GM, or excuse me, not GM, but Jeep announced uh, is an all-new uh, A or B size crossover. So probably something smaller than the Renegade, um, maybe more along the lines of like a Chevy Trax, something like that. Uh, some kind of tiny crossover, probably with a tiny turbocharged engine, hopefully available with a stick and four-wheel drive, probably for around $20,000. I think that could be a very exciting entry into the marketplace. Uh, whether or not Jeep gets that right uh, remains to be seen, but uh, looks like Jeep is trying to cross off the uh, FCA small car demand with something like that. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's the big announcements from Fiat Chrysler for the five-year plan. Uh, a lot of crazy things to go over there. So the macro here, what do we take away? Uh, crossovers, SUVs, that's where all the money's at for Fiat Chrysler. Uh, they're gonna be spending 
presumably billions of dollars uh, designing these things over the next five years. Uh, what interests me is the EV and electric stuff. Um, I don't know if they're designing all this stuff in-house or if they're outsourcing uh, battery technology and other things from other companies. That has not been really specified. Uh, Fiat Chrysler, as I've, I believe said before on other podcasts, they are way behind when it comes to hybrid and powertrains and things like that. Uh, they used to license hybrid technology from GM uh, back at the end of the aughts, and uh, they never really turned it around and did their own thing aside from the 500e electric. Uh, that car, like I said, $14,000 loss and each one sold. Uh, hopefully this next one will be a little bit cheaper, but uh, they really need to up, up, the, or up their game on battery tech and uh, motor technology. So we'll see how it all works out. Um, other things that I'm interested in, it's that autonomous stuff. A lot of autonomy stuff that uh, Chrysler is promising. Um, and if there's anything that I think they're going to miss out on, most of all, I'm willing to bet it's autonomy stuff. And that mostly comes down to maybe not necessarily their hiccups in terms of design and engineering and application, but where the market is going right now. Uh, there's a lot of bad press about the Tesla autopilot system, uh, especially the past like couple of weeks with the different kinds of accidents and uh, crazy things like that. So uh, assuming that laws don't get more specific, I think they'll be fine. But uh, here in the US and over in the EU, um, if things start getting tightened down, ratcheted down, uh, you know, Fiat's really going to have to be careful with what they do, and I don't think they want to overspend on something that's going to have to be replaced entirely in such a short amount of time. So we'll see what happens there. Fiat, I love you. I, I, I love the fact that they, they do this five-year plan. Uh, as much as we have many disagreements about product ideas and applications and sales and things like that, things are going well. Uh, but it is time to say goodbye to Sergio Marchionne. Uh, he has been a pit bull of a man in the marketplace over the past couple of years, especially here as uh, Fiat has grown into the U.S. market. Uh, I'll be sad to see a man with that kind of swagger leave the industry, uh, but we will always have, uh, well, what's his name over at uh, Nissan and Renault? Carlos Goshen, Goshen, whatever you say. Uh, so, Sergio, I bid you farewell. I hope you have a lovely rest of your life in retirement. But, uh, yeah, Fiat Chrysler, what a bunch of crazy shit they've got coming down the pipe in the next couple of years. So now, so now for something from the... To get a little bit more specific, to get really excited about, uh, GM announced a new 2.7 liter turbo charged inline four for their full-size pickup trucks that are coming out later this fall. Uh, the Sierra and the Silverado will both be available with this engine in their lower trim variants, although it sounds like GMC is going to have a little higher trim version that comes with this thing. Uh, it's going to be replacing the 4.3 liter V6 that was previously done. More or less, that was a small block Chevy with two cylinders lobbed off. Uh, this thing is a top-down, all-new design. Uh, GM is promising a very square power output of about 315 horsepower and just short of 350 pound-feet of torque. All of that torque is going to be available from 1,500 RPM. This thing has got diesel-like power. But it's going to be gasoline. It's going to have cylinder deactivation. Apparently, it's going to be able to run on just one cylinder if it needs to. Uh, I don't know. I think this is a really cool thing. And, you know, with it being smaller and lighter uh, in application than a V8 or a V6, uh, yeah, I, GM, yeah. If you're saying this is going to be pickup truck specific, I hope it's not. I hope you decide to put this in more things because I have a great idea to sell you on. 
You know those German big sedans and all-wheel drive wagons uh, that people love so much all across the world? What if I told you you could take a platform that you already have, that Gamma platform that's underneath the Cadillac CT6, Let's say you gave it the four-wheel drive system from the new Buick Regal Tour X. You know, that one that actually is from the Ford Focus RS that can send power to whatever wheel it needs. Yeah, do that, and then mount it to that 8-speed automatic and that 2.7-liter turbo. Make it a nice family-sized wagon, you know, something to compete against the Volvo V90. Uh, it's big, it's powerful, uh, you know, it's less than $40,000. It comes in brown. Uh, this could be a very cool vehicle for you. Just imagine piloting yourself with some semi-autonomous, maybe even super cruise technology, just blasting down I-75 at 85 miles an hour with all your shit in the back, the kids screaming, well, maybe not even screaming, maybe they're silenced with headphones and iPads. Who knows what parents do these days? Uh, this could be a wonderful class-defining vehicle if you just put forth the effort to do something other than pick up trucks with this engine. Diesel power at a low price with probably very good fuel efficiency and something that's much lighter than a pickup truck? It could work. I don't know. GM, somebody's listening. I'm willing to take a check. I think this is a great idea. I would love to call it the Chevy Biscayne, if you want to call it that. You could call it the Buick Roadmaster. I don't care. Do it. A big-ass wagon with this engine is the perfect thing to fix the SUV craze that we're currently stuck in. So last up, a car that's been on my mind. That's the uh, Pontiac Grand Prix GXP. I think I've talked about the Chevy Impala SS on here before. Uh, if you don't remember, GM in their death throes of the uh, mid-late aughts decided that it would be a good idea to stick a pickup truck uh, V8 in the front end of a W body that had been around for 20 years and uh, sell it to everybody for about 40 grand. Uh, they did the uh, Impala SS and the Monte Carlo SS, which was capable of being uh, hurtled down a highway at 155 miles an hour. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, that was the fastest front-wheel drive uh, car available at that point in time. Buick had a version of the LaCrosse that came with this engine. I believe it was called the LaCrosse Super. Um, the LaCrosse Super was a model that I actually kind of liked. Uh, it didn't really look like it was fast. It didn't look like it was sporty. It just had that big engine to throw you out of corners and go quickly and guzzle gasoline. The Pontiac, on the other hand, had wider tires on the front, narrower tires on the back, had a slightly more streamlined appearance visually to match the Bonneville GXP that had come before it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting how each of the different vehicles have kind of progressed uh, in the years since. It's been about a decade or so since they last were produced. Uh, shopping, uh, you might be able to find these things for less than four grand. Uh, if that sounds like a great deal to you, let me tell you about a BMW 540i. Uh, similar power output, probably a little more reliable in the grand scheme of things. Uh, definitely probably a little more fun to drive. Um, you know, it all depends on where your money wants to go. Uh, these cars were cool at the time in a very small community, and now they are guaranteed to be, one, rusty, two, have a hole in the exhaust, and three, be owned by probably someone who has not so great political opinions. Uh, yeah, I admire the Pontiac GXP and many of its siblings for the engineering that uh, GM did for that engine to go up front. Uh, hint, hint, you can take them out and stick them in the back of a Fiero. Uh, but uh, yeah, Whew. What, a, 
weird thing for GM to have done. Uh, but keep an eye out. See if these things are on here. I'd love to hear if you've got a lot of the Impalas, the Pontiacs, or the Buicks around you. Uh, drop me a line here on Anchor at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN or hit me up on Twitter at twitter.com slash YSSMAN. Uh, yeah. All right, guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. But before I go, I had one thought in regard to the FCA five-year plan. Why don't we have a Sebring replacement? And by a Sebring replacement, I need to be more specific and say the Sebring convertible. Uh, there is a distinct lack of convertibles in the market these days. Aside from the MX-5 and the Fiat 124, and I guess the Buick Cascada, uh, there aren't any affordable convertibles. And Fiat's really missing a great opportunity to have some kind of four-seat convertible option, specifically a hybrid option. Uh, that could be very cool. So Fiat, in addition to GM, if you guys are looking for more ideas, you know who to contact uh, right here, this guy. Um, yeah, uh, so if you're a big fan of this podcast, uh, don't forget to uh, smash that like button, uh, click subscribe, and don't forget to hit the bell to be notified when new episodes uh, are made available. Mm -hmm. um, you can follow this podcast on many different platforms, including here at Anchor FM at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. Uh, you can follow me on Apple iTunes podcast, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, um, all of them. They're there. We can do it. Uh, it's very cool and easy to be friends here. So tell me you like me at twitter.com slash YSSMAN. Uh, that's a cool thing that we do. Hey guys, we also do another version of the Salvage Title podcast that's called the uh, Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide, uh, where I go into a certain segment of vehicles. I pick the top three options that are made available, and then I pick a fourth option for flavor. That option might not necessarily be the best option in there, but uh, at least it's interesting, and Lord knows we need that in 2018. Um, so yeah, with all that in mind, guys, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a good rest of the week. Um, I plan on seeing you next week, but if we don't, I'll see you very soon. Drive safe, be a cool person, and uh, you know, go tell GM and Chrysler that I'm full of good ideas. Anyway, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.